There are tranquil ages which seem to contain that which will last forever. The philosopher Carl Jaspers once wrote, and there are ages of change which see upheavals that in extreme instances appear to go to the roots of humanity itself. Ours is clearly an age of upheaval, noted Jerome Roos in his New York Times, April 23rd, 2023 op-ed piece, we don't know what will happen next. Humanity, he says, now faces a confluence of challenges unlike any other in history. Climate change is rapidly altering the condition of life on our planet. Tensions over Ukraine and Taiwan have revived the specter of a conflict between nuclear superpowers. And breakneck developments in artificial intelligence are raising serious concerns about the risk of an AI-induced global catastrophe. This troubling situation calls for new perspectives to make sense of a rapidly changing world and work out where we might be headed. I'm Dr. Frances McGarry, podcast host of First Online with Fran, and I have made it my mission to offer perspectives and open conversations on how to address these conflicts through the healing power of the arts. Perfect timing. Today, my guest, Dr. Avra Sudaropoulou, Artistic Director of Persona Theater Company, has worked towards bringing people together through theater making, right? <laughs> welcome, Avra, and welcome to New York City. Well, thank you very much, Francis. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. I'm so glad that we finally got to meet. One of the things that I'm really, really excited about is that you're directing this world premiere of Karen Malpede's Troy 2 at the Here Art Center. And it's going to be performed from May 11th through the 21st here in New York City. So I'm just going to get our little conversation started. How does this production speak to our present day global crisis and how in this age of upheaval, it can make sense and offer solutions to those kinds of challenges that we face as a global community? Well, I must say, I feel more than ever that this plays very necessary at this moment in time because it tries to solidify a moment in our history where all the big crises of the 21st century seem to come together. So it is a play that addresses the pandemic, climate change, and uh, issues of social justice, the BLM movement, all through the perspective of tragedy. It kind of uses the framework of classical tragedy, drawing from Euripides' Trojan women, to tell a story of our times and of a humanity uh, at a loss, humanity at risk, humanity uh, forced to make choices that are very strongly and surely bringing its demise. So it is a commentary on how life is now lived and how we should look back 
at our lives, uh, at each other, try to connect with each other and try to make our world a little better, a little more humane, I would say. And what are some of those choices that are made without giving away too much of the play? Highlight one of the choices that is made and how it reaches out to the audience to sit in their seats and think, aha. Good question. There are many different thoughts circulating about how we should listen to one another. And that is a very important choice and message in the play. How we should try to remember what life used to be like in the past and how we all people used to reach out and try and understand where each person is coming from. So that is a very strong choice that the play is asking us to make, to put an end to the violence, to put an end to the speed that is defining our lives, and to try and understand that in order to make the world better, we need to really listen to one another and reach out for one another. How does the Trojan women connect to this play? I kind of get what that means, but I need the professor to explain <laughs> that to me. <laughs> Actually, it is Karen has used the play in the most amazing and uh, structurally brilliant way. She puts the frame of these two goddesses that appear to teach us a lesson about how lives need to be reconfigured. And she also uses the story of the Trojan women, which is a story of uh, forced displacement, a story of violence, a story that has one nation turn against another, to tell us that even in these circumstances that we're living in, in these really turbulent times, there is a sense of solidarity that needs to be built among these women and these people in general who have been forced to leave their homes, who have been exiled, who have suffered the violence of the authorities. Back then, it was the Greek army. Today, it can be the police. It can be the wars happening globally. So in very subtle and beautifully poetic ways, the Trojan women and the words of Euripides that are actually also sung in ancient Greek by yeah. Lydia Konyordou, the Greek actor who is impersonating Hecuba, they all come together and blend with the rhythms of today's world and the city of New York that has had its own share of violence, misfortune, tragedies in the 21st century. And theater, by its very nature, I'm speaking to you as a director, of course, is collaboration. It's kind of like one layer of another layer of another layer. Here you're doing this play, you know, about bringing people together, about solving problems. And then the Trojan women, the whole issue of how women's rights are being usurped in this day, in Absolutely. the 21st century. and. On a smaller level, I'm curious about how you and your cast are envisioning and delivering the message. 
Well, I must say that my goal as a director and also as artistic director of Persona Theatre Company, which is based in Athens, by the way, is to make connections with people from different cultural, different ethnic, different backgrounds in general, because I think that's the only way we can try and make art that can be meaningful. So the idea of working with a mixed cast, um, mixed racial cast is amazing to me. It gives me the chance to listen again to other cultures, to learn more about those big burning issues that can be universal, but that are also specific to each community and bringing Greek actors together with US-based actors is just amazing. And I think this is an opportunity that... Is it different? I've never experienced that. What's it like? Well, the wonderful thing is that ultimately it isn't different. It's it's more, uh, more of an opportunity to learn, kind of enrich our artistic horizons in some ways. I mean, there are times when I ask my actors about their history, because we are bringing in a lot of issues that are specific to people living in the United States. And I'm very well aware that I am an outsider, I'm a Greek, but it is exactly this struggle to approach the other, whatever is considered as other, and to bring all communities together. That is the goal of the play. And I feel this is such a rewarding, unique experience oh i can't i can't wait to see it let's talk a little bit about malpete and what made you pick this play this moment and use her work in a very timely Mm. fashion the original approach to karen was for a book that i was editing that was actually bringing together perspectives from academics and artists from all over the world This is an edited volume entitled Staging 21st Century Tragedies, Theater, Politics and Global Crisis, which was recently published by Routledge. And in fact, we had uh, a book launch at uh, the Graduate Center at CUNY a couple of weeks ago. It was really brilliant. I approached Karen because I knew of her political work. And this is a book that talks about politics. It talks about how contemporary theater is negotiating conflict in ways that seem to remind us of the form of Greek tragedy. So I asked Karen if she would like to contribute a piece in that collection. And I gave her the option of either going for a more academic piece, because she is also a professor, or for a play. And thank God, you know, she decided to write a play specifically for the collection. And here's Troy too. So when I saw the play and read the play, I thought, you know, this is something that needs to be seen and heard by actors in a live context on a stage. And that was during the pandemic. We had uh, all gone through hell, obviously. And that collection kind of kept us together in thinking that this is our chance maybe to produce work that can speak to many people from all over the world. And that's how it all came together, thankfully. 
The title itself is suggestive. Troy, T-R-O-Y, two, T-O-O. What's inherent in that title is the idea of inclusiveness, inviting everybody here. Yes, absolutely, Francis. And also what's suggested in the title, I think, is the idea that we need to build a new society out of its ashes. We are going through another Troy, Troy too. This is our time is akin to the Troy of the past in the Trojan War, which was ultimately burned down. And what the message of the play, if I can talk about the message, is that out of these ashes of this burnt society, because it is burned, it is destroyed, it, it, it is at its edge, and our whole world is coming apart, and the environment is ailing. This is our chance to build a new spirit of community, of collaboration, of inclusion, as you said. And this is a new Troy that can be a better Troy. Oh, God, I hope you're right. I, there was a political cartoon this morning in the newspaper, and there were two older white men, and one had a Trump T-shirt on, and on his shirt it said, anybody but Trump. And then the other guy had a T-shirt on, and it said, anybody but Biden. And then they turned around, and in the next frame, the guy said, but I will vote for Trump anyway. And the other one said, but I will vote for Biden anyway. It's such a divided world. And in our play, Karen has produced this amazing choral parts that were set to music by a really brilliant Greek composer, Vanya Sapergis. He has worked with Karen's lyrics to create the rhythm and the beat of today's divided society. And very much like language that you find in the streets of New York as well, that kind of clashes with the ancient Greek lyrical parts. But the idea here is that we need to somehow figure out a way to unify those two sides, because we are going through a very polarized moment in time. Um, and I'm not sure it's going to get any better, to be honest. I do hope that yeah. it will take time. I think we need to go through this cycle before the citizens of the United States realize that this is really not about two candidates. You know, it's not about an old man and a crazy old man. It's about a man who will protect our democracy versus a man who sees the very institutions of our democracy as a threat in the name of revolutionary patriotism. And until those truths can be dynamically struck, they need to be struck. Somebody needs to knock some sense into us. And I'm hoping your play will do this. <laughs> well, I'm not sure it will manage <laughs> to bring that sense, but it will certainly, I feel, raise some questions that will slowly sing in after the play is over uh, about what is our position in front of everything that's happening and how can we react, how can we respond? 
And I think this is the theater that is needed, especially after the pandemic, that uh, we can no longer recreate old forms, that a new form of performative power needs to be created and you know what? Worked. I'm really glad yeah. you brought that up because that was something I wanted to pick your brain about. Okay. I, citing your work in a book that I'm working on about how playwriting can open conversations, particularly about social issues. And I talk about censorship. And the question I ask is what happens when people don't speak out? And then I talk about you. You said, I have you as a playwright, film, media, animation, urge, don't be apologetic about expressing your emotions on stage. Engage audiences through emotions. Be bold about expressing the pain. It can be a manifesto on stage. Stay away from spectacle. Be daring. The theater community will have to rethink what we do and how we do it. Let's be on the right side of history, the right side of social justice. Wow. <laughs> just uh, brilliant. There's a lot in there, but it just so inspired me. And I guess I want to hear it from you, where that came from, where that passion drives you. Um, it came from those long and dreary days during the COVID lockdowns when we were all missing theater so much. But then thinking about going back to the theater needed to become a different experience. So uh, I was missing theater, we're all missing theater, but I think most of us were missing a, a kind of form, a kind of theater experience that would heal us from all these deeply traumatic things that we've gone through during COVID and not just COVID, but COVID was just, you know, a symptom uh, that's really knocked us out in some sense. So one way to do that is to confront your fear directly. And the theater is the perfect place for that to happen because we are not alone there. We are co-experiencing things and we are becoming actively involved that something that is not just our pain. Our pain is given a larger voice our personal story becomes communal and common history so i think yes let's not be afraid to speak about those things that are plaguing us and i often feel and that's even before covid i often feel that theater has turned into this ultra realistic product that kind of reproduces life with no sense of transcendence. Yeah. But theatre is an art form. And I believe it's good to have that sense of strangeness that is something that is larger than life, to go back to our rituals, the ones that Greek tragedy also introduced in formal terms, and find a different language that can go beyond realism that can reach poetry and that can speak to our soul on a level that is not instantly recognizable but resonates longer and more do you incorporate any of your technological type of inventive 
approach to staging a play? I am indeed. There, um, there is a very strong video element in the production. In fact, there was a separate film shoot that happened in different archaeological sites in Athens that is coming into this production in order to unify the different time frames and different cultures that the play speaks about. So there are images from kind of mythical past that which we identify with antiquity that are blending right in to the contemporary landscape of the New York streets. So yes, um, there is a lot of that in this production and I'm very excited about how it all comes together. I'm sure. One of the things that I read about too recently was about one of the post effects of the pandemic is how many people are suffering from loneliness. Well, and we're still not over that. And again, the play addresses that too. There is, without wishing to give too much away, but there is a scene where we have two doctors talking about what they are experiencing in the intensive care units. But there is also a scene of farewell between people who are about to say goodbye to their loved ones as they die during COVID or as they lead a different path after the pandemic being totally alone so yes this is a chance i think this is this play for me is a gift because it does give me the space to explore those traumas they were very strong to me i saw people go because of covid and i still feel that there is so much loneliness in the world and in the city I must tell you, Francis, I'm back after several years of being away from New York. And what I experience is a lot of, of what you're talking about, a lot of loneliness. And you see it in people's faces. And yeah. Yes. Uh, and I, you know, would be in the city you know, three out of five days. I live on Long Island, but auditions and whatever mm -hmm. would bring me in theater, of course, to the city. And there is, there's a palpable change there's a feeling just seeing all of the the homeless with the immigrants being dropped off in thousands of numbers you see the these families with children with babies it's like we have to speak to this we have to raise awareness what how do we change this well we can only do what we can do through our arts but I think what we really must consider is how our voices can reach out to those in power who are ultimately responsible and should be capable of changing that or instigating some form of change anyway. So and I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I was curious when was the last time you were in New York City, what it was like then and what it is now. It was very different. It was in 2016. What I am experiencing now is, first of all, an enormous uh, rise in the cost of living. It's impossible to even, I, I don't think this is a viable model anymore. I don't think capitalism can go on forever. I think there must be some 
way of circumventing individualism and uh, profit-making processes as the only way of surviving in this world. Yes, I, I do see a very big change and it's not a good change. It's a change for the worse, for loneliness, for isolation, for just, you know, a very small percentage of people benefiting from the struggles of everyone else. Yeah, speaking a lot of truth, Avra, I'm looking forward to reading your book, Staging 21st Century Tragedy. So I'm going to look that up. I want to learn a little bit more about your persona theater company, of how it's being financed. You know, how are you moving forward? How are you going to open up a larger audience? Persona is based in Athens. It was formed several years ago in 2004. And our purpose and artistic mission was to forge relationships with artists from different parts of the world. So this is our second time in New York. In fact, we did perform in 2007, Clytemnestra's Tears, that was at La Mama, a play that again reconceptualized classical Greek heroine. We worked in Iran, we worked in Turkey, in the UK, we've been really active in bringing those myths, those Greek myths outside of their home, because ultimately they belong to the world. Financing the, the, the company has been a struggle and it's very difficult, especially in these times we live in. Things have been increasingly harder. With inflation. Uh, yeah. With inflation and with everything. But we have been fortunate to have the support of foundations and individuals that believed in our vision. Well, you certainly have my support and I will share the beautiful work that you do. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Congratulations. Thank you so much for giving me time in the midst of directing this play and being in New York. It's been an absolute thrill and delight to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Francis. I appreciate that. And I look forward to your feedback. <laughs> okay. Find out more about what Fran is up to. Go to her website at firstonlinewithfran.com. This program was produced by March Hare Media and recorded at We Chief Studio Productions. <laughs>